listening to Seen the Sequel, the movie podcast about sequels to films that were never made, probably for good reason. This week, we are talking about 2019's classic, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed by Quentin Tarantino and starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. And, as ever, alongside me, three men who, you're real, right? I'm as real as a donut. I've got Al, I've got Joe, and I've got John. Welcome back, guys. Well, this one's certainly going to cause a little bit of a controversy. As you know, before we start, we've got 30 minutes to come up with a cast, come up with a story, come up with a plot, come up with a director, come up with a title, scratch about on the earth for a bit of everything and put it all together at the end in the hope that someone would buy into it. Nevertheless, uh, I think this is a makings of an absolute classic and we have all watched it recently. So let's go around the room. Al. What's your thoughts on Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood? Look, I'm gonna even though I usually go, I usually go on about directors, so I'm gonna skip over the very predictable thing that probably we're all gonna be on agreement of, which is obsessed with Tarantino. One of the reasons I want to make movies, I've always loved movies. The greatest director of filmmaker, not even just director, filmmaker of our generation, I would say. Um, and um, no one gets me more excited than Tarantino's new film. Nothing like no one can get me excited three years in advance just with a title. And when I heard Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I said there's only one guy who's got the ego and the right, because he is that good, to name a film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that is Tarantino. And I was like, it's already a masterpiece. Oh, I said it, masterpiece. <laughs> Hadn't even one seen minute. it. One minute in. Now, this divide, we went, uh, me and Joe and uh, a few other people were all, um, went to see it at the Ritchie Cinema in Brixton and um, all very excited. And it did divide us. Um, and I think I understand why. I think we all went in excited for a maybe big Lebowski-esque crime caper set amongst that Hollywood backdrop. But we didn't get that. We got something yet again different and I'm very, very much in the yes camp. I can't help it. I just, it's Tarantino porn. It's porn for him. And therefore it's porn for me. I, <laughs> yes, it's the most indulgent thing ever. There's probably half an hour of incredibly ambitious crane driving shots. So what? I absolutely fucking love it. He is the smart he's underestimated about how smart he is and how much he knows what the fuck he is doing with every script he writes. And this film knew exactly what it was doing. I fucking love it. And no, and just I'll sign off and say, okay, every Tarantino film, of course you can't make a sequel to a Tarantino film, but this somehow to go into, if he did a, a trilogy of like the adventures of Cliff and Rick, I'm fucking there. Like, I love them both. You know, he's got the greatest movie stars on the planet. I absolutely am there, man. It's a big yes from me and almost a big yes to a genuine sequel, yeah. Okay, I was on the fence. Joe, what do you think? Uh, I mean, you know, we, we both watched it together, Al and I, and probably just glanced at each other at every, like, you know. Did you hold hands? 200 times throughout <laughs> it, just sort of like, you know, nodding. Um, I agree. I agree. It, you've got the best movie stars on the planet in a film directed by probably the best director of now of of our time. Um, and I, I fucking love it so much. I I literally just finished watch rewatching it for probably the fifth time. Um, still got it. It's uh, 
It's fucking funny. Joe, you know what? <laughs> one, one, thing, one thing I thought is, is before I went in to rewatch it, I looked up how long it was. I forgot how long it was. And I was like, oh, shit, that's actually, that's, you know, two and a half hours. That's quite a long, that's quite a long film. Shit, that's long. And then the second it starts, you're just like, well... I could watch this for like five hours. Doesn't matter. I could watch. I could just keep watching these characters uh, for a very, very long time. I know, man. Where's the Snyder cut of this? Um. <laughs> All right. So Joe's unsure. John, what are your thoughts on it? Um, yeah. So I've, I've Go on, mate. It. Slag it off. Go I've on. watched it five times now. So I saw it three times at cinema, which is easily Whoa. the most I've seen a Tarantino film. At I saw cinema. it with you, didn't I? Yeah, I saw it with you. Uh, that was the first time I saw it. Um, Friendship divide uh, exposed there, live on air. <laughs> so, so when, yeah, I mean, when you're watching it, it's got, I mean, there's a reason why I've watched it five times. Obviously, I like it and I enjoy it. And when you're watching it, like it is all of those things that have already been said, like it's entertaining, it's well made, it's everything's like super saturated, like the acting, the dialogue, the characters, the locations, everything. Um, <clears throat> it really nails that, like, um rose tinted vision of this period of hollywood um but i always get the same feeling like when it's over like i think the more you the more i think about the themes of the film and what the film's trying to say the more hollow it becomes because i don't think it's a celebration of cinema at all it's a celebration of the hollywood establishment and the hollywood the idea that you've made it just by being in Hollywood. So it's a, it's, it's a celebration of celebrity more than it is a celebration of like great filmmaking. Like the main characters in the films are mid-level nobodies really. And yet they're presented as these heroes simply because they're part of Hollywood. And I think that fame element uh, and that promotion of like mainstream beats out all other subcultures because like subcultures in the film are ridiculed as being pointless essentially um in the face of hollywood um that's the bit that always gets me about the end and always makes me feel a little bit melancholy towards the message of the film but the other stuff the making of it the directing the acting all that stuff is on point it's just the messages in it i just don't they don't they don't chime with me as especially positive well i i would i i totally understand that and i think a lot of audiences were melancholy by the end because they were like what the fuck was that you know kind of thing but i i with tarantino i think he makes the films for him in his universe, right? So everything's kind of connected, whether it's red apple cigarettes, whether it's the fact that Vincent Vega is Mr. Blonde's brother, you know, he's Vic Vega or whatever. Um, and he, he he obviously changed history before in Inglorious Bastards. And the way I read that film, I thought that was his cinema paradiso. In Tarantino's world, cinema is power, powerful enough to bring down the armies of darkness. Do you know what I mean? It, the, the, yeah. the, the celluloid itself is the weapon that kills the Nazis. I right? knew you'd raise Inglorious Bastards. I knew, given you half an inch, you would now wank on for about two hours about <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. Right, my go. I want to go, went to go and see it with a good friend of ours, and he didn't know anything about Manson and I had this dread all the way through the film that I knew what was coming or I, I thought I knew what was coming and it's interesting going with a guy who didn't know anything about the family didn't know anything about uh, the ranch about Manson and so the payoff at the end though when I when it happened and it actually turned out differently was just the release and the relief and the violence, I literally laughed out loud at every time Brad Pitt was banging her head against the fire pit so much that the woman in front of me turned around with a concerned thing because I was just crying with laughter because it was the payoff was great. <laughs> I, I was I was so happy in that. 
that payoff. Oh, and what a scene when he throws the can at her head as well and it just lodges. I think that's, that's what gets the belly laugh. When he first, when he first launches that can of dog food, mm. Um, mm. that gets a big laugh. <laughs> I remember the cinema erupted. It's just, again, I, I, I do think, uh, aside from probably, if we all sat around this table and we had to say, what's your favourite Tarantino? I pretty much guarantee, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're all going to say Pulp Fiction because I think it's just, that's it. But uh, that's Tarantino like 30 years ago. This is Tarantino now. This, to me, is one is the most accomplished film that he's ever made, rich in detail, and he's got the audacity to just sit back and just do those long cruising shots. Oh, I'm just going to play uh, Bob Seger sound, and you, all you're going to see is Brad Pitt driving. That's it. And it's like, oh, my God, I love that. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... I, but that's where, I've, that's where I go against you. Like, it's porn for his fans and for him. Yeah, we adore it, right? Steadicam porn, crane porn, music porn. Yeah, like, we adore it. But it music is indulgent filmic, <laughs> filmmaking. I don't necessarily think it's his most accomplished piece. Well, on the back of what I was saying was, I think in his universe, what the Manson murders, the end of the 60s, actually, he's going to invent two fucking characters that he adores, that we're going to adore, that will, will stop that from happening in his mm. world, in Tarantino's universe. Universe. And okay, I agree. It, it it it's interesting actually that Sally Mank passed away before this film was made, right? Because one of the things that I think people would celebrate about Tarantino, particularly in his early stages of his career, was his punchy editing, right? Slam mm. to black on mm. music beats, the titles banging on beats and stuff like that. Um, this doesn't quite have that as much. It 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 cruises. Um, and that's and I agree with you on that level it, 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 it's a, it's accomplished and co- obviously confident filmmaking but how can you not be confident when you're Quentin Tarantino 100% well how can we the thing is are we feeling confident are we we're about to take on a sequel to Tarantino let's do it okay so who wants to kick things off with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood 2 well I'm going to I'm going to jump in here because like I mentioned before, um, unlike anything he's ever done before, there's almost a little bit of promise of a sequel on this. There's almost, uh, you know, you're almost open to it. Because um, um, I'm just going to interrupt just, just, just a thought, which is I'm almost a hundred percent certain we're going to go with your idea because you're going to have thought about it the most because you're the biggest Tarantino <laughs> nut. I want to go against it just for that reason. Definitely. Bring, bring it on, boys. Well, I was just, I was just saying, should we like, should we hear what John's got to say? Uh, should we throw some ideas around before we ultimately land on Al's idea and, Let's hear what Al's got to say. First of all, C- fuck you, man. <laughs> Come on, Al. Second of all, I don't know if John's got Al, anything. listen, you've got to keep it under 20 minutes, all right? Just just, just your idea. So just off you go. Okay, so, um, and also just to say, I think Tarantino kind of feels the same about this, about he's not done with those characters because isn't he writing his first novel about them? He is, yeah. Um, There's a mini-series rumour going around as well, wasn't there? I think I think they they I think he's talked about doing what he did on uh, the Hateful Eight, which is you know off for Netflix. He cut it into like eight chapters or whatever it is. Ah, okay. Added added some extended scenes and and stuff that that didn't make the final cut of the film. So I think that okay. is possibly Tim Roth gets credit at the end, and who was cut right. Um, anyway, so. He's now, uh, Rick Dalton is now buddies with uh, Sharon Tate and uh, Polanski, right? Yeah. A, a beautiful friendship is blooming. The pearly gates op- open for him. You know, the friendship with Polanski, the hottest director on the planet. Um, so, 
over the uh, Columbia logo, the old crackling Columbia logo that obviously Tarantino would use, we have the screams, these raw screams. But very, for film fans, they're, they're, they're slightly familiar. And we, we hard cut in to the ending of Chinatown. And we do what he did with the great escape in the first one. Brilliant. And we play out the last scene of Chinatown, but, but he's cast Rick Dalton instead of Jack Nicholson. Beautiful. Right. So, so we, we, we literally just play out the scene and naturally we just have the moment with forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. It's it's Chinatown. Then 1974, pick your big hit from 1974. Like I was going to say something, I'm a big Steely Dan fan. I looked, Double checked. Yes, the uh, Pretzel Logic was released in '74. Ricky, don't lose that number. Could start up. Uh, Rebel, Rebel might be a more uh, accessible choice. And we go into um, sort of you know Rick's journey of actually being in the big time. Nice. Um, we're going into the '70s. You know the um, that you know that uh, that era of uh, Scorsese, Spielberg, and uh, Coppola uh, tear, tear, tearing up the rule book. You know and um, Cinema was changing and it was becoming grittier. And uh, crucially, uh, it, you know, I think New York was probably the, the home of that on some level. Mm. So um, I, my idea is to start off with, I was going to have him losing the Oscar in 1974. And you get to see Rick Dalton being a wonderful baby about that. You know, absolutely, you know, trashing the trashing, off. trashing the limo on the way home with, with Cliff next to him. Like, who is this goddamn motherfucker? Yeah, Cliff like egging him on, just battering shit. Stones through random windows. <laughs> who is this goddamn motherfucker? Never even heard of this fucker. You know, like all that kind of thing. Um, and gradually we go through that journey. But I think he he goes to New York and he becomes involved with people like Woody Allen, Scorsese. But maybe my idea was if we wanted to insert an element of history in there, I was going to call it Once Upon a Time on the Upper West Side and Cliff Booth stops the assassination of Lennon in 1980. And that guy hated Lennon, what Lennon's about. Obviously, he assassinated mm. him. But he was, you know, reading The Catcher in the Rye and stuff, wasn't he? He, he hated his movement. Chapman, yeah. So maybe Dalton meets him earlier. Rick meets him and he agrees. Like, he hates the goddamn fucking hippies. And, but Cliff Booth kind of likes him. But in the end, Booth has to stop him killing uh, John Lennon on the steps of the Dakota. Well, yeah. I don't know about you two. But once again, I'd be shitting it after that because that's a very good idea. All right, well, um, Joe, let's go over to you, right? Well, that's why I didn't want. That's why I wanted to go first because <laughs> <laughs> we're like we're, we're obviously doing that, aren't we? Should we, should we just roll over now and do that? Uh, I've got. I, look, I had a couple. I just had a couple of ideas. Um, it was it was kind of similar in that you roll into now he's a big movie star, starring in like you know Coppola movies and Scorsese and all that seventies you know sort of Hollywood new new, new Hollywood stuff. Um, I jumped to 77 for some reason, uh, which is... Um, He's Luke Skywalker, isn't he? <laughs> well, well, 77, obviously, when Star Wars came out. Um, also when Elvis died, or did he? Uh, which I thought was just or kind of... Or did he? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I thought that was kind of cool just, just to 
again, there's a Tarantino connection with Elvis because <laughs> Tarantino wrote True Romance, which has Elvis as a character in it. So he's clearly got a thing for Elvis. This is nice. Wouldn't it be cool if Elvis didn't die or if Rick Dalton somehow saved Elvis? Uh, or maybe we, we bring some of that in. Uh, I don't know. Um, a lot happened in 77. Uh I think I think I think that's I think that's Polanski uh, uh, courtroom drama stuff. That's where he got uh, you know the trial of Roman Polanski was seventy seven as well. Okay. So there's a lot there to play with. Um, well, dude, you got Saturday Night Fever straight away. Yeah, where where you know you can imagine Dalton getting like I don't know, or, or maybe yeah, so you could imagine some kind of Saturday Night Fever like you know him saying like what is this disco shit? Uh, sort of like you know. <laughs> I like, you know, I'm a rock man. I'm an Elvis guy. Country and rock, yeah. I'm an Elvis guy, um, and he sort of saves Elvis and takes down disco somehow. I don't know something that's, that's, that's saves that. Elvis and takes down disco. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's kind of kind of all I all I had. Um, that's your tagline for your film, right there, man. That's what it says underneath so, it. So Elvis and Robin Gibb I, fighting on top of the Empire State Building at Robin, the end. not Barry. Barry would take down Elvis. I was going to say, Robin, Robin, yeah, Robin, he, he's a bit meek. Sorry, yeah, Elvis I, would flatten I did, him. I Sorry. did think, um, I did think uh, some kind of, you, you want the Oscars in there, right? You, you need a like live Academy Award night. Uh, and maybe that's like some kind of uh, crescendo where it all builds to like f- shit kicking off at the Oscars and big unexpected action happens, you know, at, at the Oscars could be yeah, something. I, I think I think a sequel does. If, if the first film ends with Rick meeting the Hollywood elite and being part of that, that he's always wanted to be, then ending with him doing something at the Oscars does seem like the next step. Well, like let's let's face it. If he as he goes through those gates, what's likely to fuck it up the most? Rick's going to fuck it up for himself, probably. Right? Cocaine. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's it. Do we go? Do we? Do we go into that cocaine era as heavily as that? Maybe. I mean, uh, Tarantino's always... Disco, um, isn't it? It's 77. I mean, you well, couldn't yeah, pick a yeah, higher time. The coke years were beginning. Um, but maybe we scrapped my Lennon idea um, and perhaps the Oscars... He could lose the Oscar at the beginning and privately kick off in the limo. Like I said, he loses his Chinatown Oscar. Um, oh, Sharon Tate should be there instead of Dunaway as well at the Definitely. end. As the, as the oh, corpse. That's awesome. Lovely. As the corpse. Lovely. So um, he, he cast her in Chinatown as well. And then um, uh, maybe he goes to New York, makes uh, a Woody Allen film, doesn't really get it. Cliff Booth's a bit more nuanced. He kind of gets it. He makes a, a Scorsese film, you know, has a bit more time for him perhaps. Um, but yeah, maybe this Elvis thing, there's something to go on. Maybe he suggests Elvis is casting I... something and then, um, and then it ends again at the Oscars, this time with a kind of a public... A pub, a public massacre, and that's like where that. This time, they they leave and they've really fucked it. You know. Picture this, right? You got on one side, you got Cliff, and on the other side, you got Elvis, and they're both doing kung fu kicks at everyone. And Elvis is just out of control now. Yeah, He's just absolutely on one. Just oh, oh, yeah. I like the idea of Elvis being someone who potentially needs to be saved by Rick more than Lennon. Just because I think Elvis does, or Rick would chime more with Elvis. Like John Lennon was more like counterculture, wasn't he? That's not what Definitely. Rick is. That's well, that's not what, what Rick no, that's, is. Well, that's what I was saying with the Lennon thing. I was saying Rick actually would meet 
Chapman, the assassin, you know, the, the killer, and actually kind of, you know, see eye to eye with him more. It'd be Booth, it'd be Cliff, uh, that that actually would, you know, um, seem, you know, well, uh, you know, uh, resonate with Leonard Moore. However, I yeah. do agree that it was probably. I think the Elvis thing is much more in key. Stronger. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you raise an interesting point though, is that with the Elvis thing and the Oscars thing, it's very much Rick is the character. If we want Cliff to be in it as an equal, he needs something to really fulfill his arc as well. Which 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 the Lennon thing would, but we're ta- if we're taking that away, then it doesn't. Well look, I think if you're embedding the boys in New York at some point maybe Cliff could take a side, maybe he could become an artist, like a famous, his paintings, he could suddenly get noticed for his paintings or something and mix in with that whole Warhol scene. Oh, like the uh, beat the beat poets and stuff. Exactly, Well, yeah, exactly. No, but also the Greenwich Village, you know, like the Wild Wild exactly. with with Dylan and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, Joe, what are you saying? No, that's great. I like it. All right, so and it gives you a great... I mean, how much fun are they going to have casting all of these? Casting all of these, yeah. yeah. Uh, who's Andy great. Warhol? Yeah, absolutely. Imagine going to Studio Fifty Four, the big disco clubs of the time. It's almost sounds or it's reminiscent slightly of the grittiness of Boogie Nights, brought up to date in a Tarantino esque caper, dovetailed or bookended at each end by the first Oscars and the second Oscars. Mm. So you know what's coming, and it's great because in between he can shoot two films, that one of which gets nominated for an Oscar, but it's all tumbling downhill, drug addiction. He's trying to loot, get control of Elvis, but Elvis is just completely going off the rails, potentially, and it's all building and building and building and building to the how top. Do you think I, we could... Sorry, go on. I was just going to say how the one, the one challenge at the moment is how we get... Elvis into that New York gritty <laughs> cinema mm. movement, which I'm mm. not, I don't know how. You'd have to change history a bit. Maybe don't just have that as like this. You know, the, the way uh, Sharon Tate is involved in this movie is basically she's not. It's just like nice cutaways um, for the whole for the whole movie, and then at the end, at the Academy Awards or whatever, like you know, crescendo event, that then they all come together. Or, or Elvis is staying in the suite next door to me. Yeah, he's just at there the to party. He's just yeah. he's, he's he's visiting New York and he meets Dalton and Cliff because they're in the they've got uh, bu- they've got back to back suites at the at the plaza and a fr- and a friendship blossoms. Well, don't forget, right? Elvis's career uh, was you know obviously he's an amazing talent musically, but the films he did in the in the initial stages, he was a big film star, and I think he always hated the caricature that he became but he was stuck by parker who would never ever let him go and just used to pump him full of drugs until he would go on stage and it was the most downward spiral what about if elvis wanted to get back into films because obviously he's a film star Mm. originally and there's a vehicle there with cliff and his influence he meets him in the suite next door Mm. and he says listen man i gotta get back into films you know and cliff's like yeah, I can just imagine yeah. it now, like all these, all these cinema, uh, all these filmmakers that we're talking about, Andy, uh, Andy Warhol, um, Martin Scorsese, and um, Woody Allen, Coppola, Coppola, and, and uh, it's like right, gritty cop drama, gritty on the street beat cop drama. Who are we going to? Uh, who Scorsese going to cast? It's not Harvey Keitel in Mean Streets. It's Elvis Presley. Elvis, Elvis. <laughs> brilliant, the king. Elvis could even be a taxi driver. Listen, Jack, you gotta get out, Mark Ham. Elvis Presley is is Serpico. I think that's what we do it though. I think that's how we do it. We we have them party with him, and then Rick 
um, becomes kind of like encouraging. Rick's still, you know, he's got he's he's got some clout. He's got some weight. He's a bit of a swinging dick now, and you know, and Marty, you'll listen to him or whoever the filmmaker is. Kind of funny if it's Woody Allen and keeps in the sort of sexual criminal uh, realm of Polanski theater yeah, yeah. got going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, you, you oh, that's out. the other thing. Seven, seventy. So I think seventy-seven was Annie Hall. Annie Hall, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And won the Oscar that year. It or the, the, the following year, he won in seventy. He won in seventy eight. I think Rocky won in seventy seven, didn't it? And then it might have been yeah. Hall, yeah. Yeah. Oh, because it was made in seventy. It released in yeah, seventy seven yeah. and run the year mm. after. Got it. Yeah, you've even got stuff in like Smokey and the Bandit. Can you imagine Rick Dalton and Smokey and the Bandit? He can, can't Fit. he? Yeah, well, he can. <laughs> definitely can. Um, well, maybe maybe we, we we he does one kind of bullshit movie, Smokey and the Bandit esque, and he does one um, kind of Woody Allen movie, um, and that's where you get all the New York stuff in, and he gets nominated for Best Actor again for the second time, and this time on his you know in his coke fueled state. Um, and you know he's he's gone bye bye. The, the Italian wife is long gone. Um, they like literally it becomes a movie star kind of uh, massacre fight in the middle of the you know the in the middle of the the theater that the host Oscars, the Oscars exactly man. I ain't getting off this stage. God damn it. Okay, so there's the bones of a story. I mean. I think as we've talked about, and especially because the film revolves around real life, I mean, are we bringing in any main protagonists? Because cast-wise, obviously we're going to recast the the guys, but I mean, there's so many people in here. Who would you want to play Elvis Presley? Well, the big, the obvious one is Bruce Campbell because he did it so well in Bubba Hotep. Bubba Hotep. But, <laughs> but, but I'd, Too old. I'd, love, I'd love to do a fresh take. There was a new film recently when Elvis met Nixon. Who played in there? Michael Shannon. Chris um, Isaac uh, has done him before as well, hasn't he? Sorry, who? Who played him in True Romance? Is it Chris Isaac? No, Val Kilmer. But he's never, oh, yeah. he's never quite on, on camera. Um, I mean, you could go really bold with it. I mean, like, I mean, I t- I've got it. I've just realised I've got it. Cage. Nicholas Cage plays, <laughs> play, play, <laughs> plays, the, plays the aging Elvis. Well, I was thinking John Travolta because John Travolta goes in with also the boot, with the disco good. the disco theme. Yeah, and the Tarantino uh, and the Tarantino one. Yeah. But he's he's like he's quite old, and back then I think yeah, loads of makeup, isn't he? He's, he's fat. He's fat enough. Elvis back then was what? How old? How old was Elvis when he died? Listen, man, Nick Cage is the ultimate Elvis fan. He married his daughter. That's how much of a net fan Elvis you know, is. So uh, I think Cage, and also Cage in the Tarantino film. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, I think John's right. There's a real obvious thing in actually in Travolta. I think Travolta, I think, and he's, got, think he's Kate, got the same body shape. I think Kate <laughs> bloated. I think Cage trumps it. I love it. The fact that we're going back to one of our previous episodes. It's a face-off between the oh, cast God. of Face Off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so are we bring in. I mean. I don't. We've been anyone more specific back, or I think it's really I, the film. I think actually, what well, we the directors is, and stuff needs casting. I think they are cast, but I think they should be on the Polanski level in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think actually he's working with a fictional director in New York, maybe rather than actually on a Woody Allen film, because it would just be too much of a caricature, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? Like you know, Bounty Law is fictional. So let yeah, know, but he got away with it with um, like Bruce Lee, Wanamaker, isn't it? Okay, okay. Uh, he yeah, got away I mean, with it with Steve McQueen. 
But these are all pockets. I mean, also, I just want to do a mention to that. Damien Lewis and Steve McQueen, fuck off, somehow convinced me it was brilliant. Yeah. Like, who, who knew that he would just look, like, he would just, as soon as you see him, you're like, yeah, that makes I sense. I actually punched the air when he goes, I never stood a chance. I punched <laughs> the air. <laughs> okay, so are we bringing anyone else in? We're happy with the cast. I mean, it's ultimately the boys are back. I think, and you've got Nick Cage as Elvis. <laughs> Nick Cage as Elvis, and then I think it's players like um, like the type of Polanski player we had. Um, is it Paul Dano? It's not Paul Dano, is it? No, 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 no. no. Emil Hirsch plays the uh, um, the the, the ex husband who who was killed, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I don't know who plays Polanski. I think it's relatively unknown. Look alike. Okay, so let's move on to title. What we're going to call this thing? Well, I had once upon a time in uh, on the Upper West Side, which obviously doesn't apply now because that was no. for the Lennon storyline. So, if we're going back to Hollywood and we're ending it in Hollywood at the Oscars, then it could be Twice Upon a Time in Hollywood. Awful. <laughs> I, I was gonna. I was gonna let him down. Gonna let, it, let me sink. You're gonna let me drown in a in a, in a sea of silence. <laughs> I, I was gonna. I was gonna let him down so easy there. And Joe said what we were all thinking. Sorry, man. Absolutely. Once upon a time in the Upper West Side. Is what, what about once upon a time in New York? <laughs> well, what about once upon a time in Hollywood? Part two or something. No. Oh, now no, you're boring. You you had the nerve, the audacity to say John's was awful, and you come up with that. Yeah, um, I mean, you know that <laughs> that is shit as well. I think so, once upon it's an a time, AI generated title. That one. <laughs> <laughs> what about once upon a time in the Big Apple? Or Manhattan or something, because it's like a sub. It have to be like a subsection of of uh, New York, like Hollywood is a is a is a you know a part of Los Angeles. Yeah. So it'd have to be a. So it'd have to be in. Well, Manhattan's the only one, is it? It's not going to be in Brooklyn or Queens. Which, no, though. Once upon a time in Queens does sound awesome as a title. Totally different film. Unless, unless, unless we called it Once Upon a Time at Graceland or something like that. <laughs> Are we going to go with Once Upon a Time in Manhattan? Are we happy? Twice upon a time in Hollywood. It just feels it just feels lazy, doesn't it? Once upon a time in Manhattan. Uh, what do you think? It's quite Woody Allen, like relevant, I guess. I, I don't think Tar- if well, we haven't come on to director, but assuming Tarantino's doing this, I don't think he would call it uh, like Once Upon a Time anything. He'd probably call it something completely different. Or, or what about Graceland? I mean, something like that. But uh, <laughs> I think, what about oh, what, what? What about if you called it like Rick and Cliff? In Man- Rick and Cliff, the go, Rick, Rick and Cliff go to the Oscars. Rick and Cliff take Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We've nailed this. Rick and Cliff take the Oscars. Rick at the Oscars. Oscar uh, Rick. Okay. Um, okay. Let's just take a breath here. Oscar uh, Rick. <laughs> um, I think we should call it. Okay. Let's lean back on Once Upon a Time in the Big Apple. There, go on then. We'll have that. Once Upon a Time in the Big Apple is a terrible title, but it's the best terrible title we've got. Who's going to direct this? Yeah, QT. Zack Schneider. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, tell you what, Quentin Tarantino does the, uh, you know, does the main directing job and Zack Schneider we come in just because we want it to be like eight hours long. So Yeah, that's what's going to start happening in uh, in the film industry. You see like 
the director's cut will happen for every film, but the director of that film doesn't do it. Snyder does it. (laughs) (laughs) He comes in and does the four hour It was good, but I'm waiting for the Snyder cut. (laughs) Okay, so there we go, guys. We have got a plot. We've got the main cast back. We've got a title and, of course, we've got a director. So who wants to take this one home? Alex. Uh, Okay, here's the pitch, guys. So we start with uh, the old crackly uh, Columbia logo, as Tarantino likes to do. He doesn't do that feature presentation thing anymore, which I love. But anyway, we don't have that. And then we have the screams, the echoing screams of the final scenes of Chinatown. Oh, God, oh, God. And uh, John Huston's there holding back the little girl who's screaming. And we hard cut into it. We don't, like, we don't um, fade in. We don't, like, give any titles first. We hard cut into that. And we're just in Chinatown. And then gradually it's revealed that um, Jack Nicholson isn't there. It's Jake. And then the fade done away corpse flings by with a bullet hole in the eye. And it's, it's actually uh, Margot Robbie. It's Sharon Tate. And uh, history has, has changed now. There's a friendship there. And Polanski put them both in Chinatown, his next hit. So we go straight to the Oscars. Rick Dalton is nominated for Best Actor. Him and each, him and um, him and Cliff are in the limo. You know they they rock up on the red carpet. They're having a great time. There's a great opening scene in the limo as they're walking in, as they're driving in there, getting pissed out their minds. And then um, <laughs> then he loses, and he contains it poorly. But that's what that's where the comedy gold is. And then they get back in the limo, and he fucking loses his fucking shit, and um, and he didn't win. Um, entering, here we are in the 70s now. Coppola's just smashed it with The Godfather. Jaws is just about to be made. Scorsese's doing Mean Streets, about to do Taxi Driver and win the Palm Door. So they understand they have to go to New York. This is a new era of uh, new era of cinema. Um, they're going to go to New York and they're going to make a film with someone like Woody Allen or Martin Scorsese. So we get all the steady cam shots. We get the crane driving shots, but this time... It's New York, motherfucker. It's 70s New York. And it looks fucking glorious. Anyway, they're staying at the plaza naturally. The problem is cocaine's becoming a part of it. And let's be honest, Rick Dalton, I don't trust him not to become a cocaine addict. He does. Um, And they're absolutely smashing it. Who's next door? Would you believe it? Elvis Presley. And they start partying with Elvis Lowe's. Elvis wants to get back into acting. He manages to convince this director... Um, that Elvis is good for this role. Um, and Elvis, uh, uh, jo- the, you know, starts making the film with him. The, the cocaine's destroying them, much like we see in many gangster films. They, the, the cocaine is destroying them gradually. But he saves Elvis. Elvis actually starts cleaning up his act. Elvis um, uh, gets nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Rick Dalton gets nominated for Best Actor. This is 1977, same year as Annie Hall. Or 1978 at the Oscars, sorry. And so uh, when they're back at the Oscars in the climax of this movie, uh, Cliff and uh, Rick are, are massive coke addicts. Nick Cage is there. He's playing Elvis. And Annie Hall wins Best Picture. And um, they severely kick off and literally Cliff Booth, Elvis Presley, back to back, just beating the shit out of anyone that comes in their way. Rick Dalton sort of scouring around, but he manages to get the flamethrower out, flamethrowers a few people. And then at the end, they've completely (laughs) fucked it. They've destroyed their lives in Hollywood and we'll have to wait for whatever the third one is to see if they get it back. That is Once Upon a Time. Uh, In the Big Apple. Yes! Well done, man, well done. There you go. There's our first Tarantino sequel. 
probably going to be our last Tarantino sequel. Who knows? But we did it. What would you have done, guys? We love always love to hear what your comments are. But most importantly, we always love it when you come back for more. Yeah. But if you can rate us five stars, that'd be fantastic. And we look forward to seeing you on the next time. Cheers, guys. <laughs>